your parent gets a dreaded dementia diagnosis. You live in one city, they live in another. Who do you turn to for help? You'll find out in this week's episode of How to Move Your Mom and still be on speaking terms afterward. Moving your mom or your dad or yourself isn't just about moving things from one place to another. It is much more complicated than that, as are so many things having to do with later life. How to Move Your Mom and Still Be on Speaking Terms Afterward provides in-depth conversations with professionals, older adults, and their family members who share their stories with warmth, understanding, and humor. I'm your host, Marty Stevens-Hebner, and here you'll find answers to many of your questions, as well as different perspectives that I hope will inform and inspire you. Barbara Hammett, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, Marty, it's a pleasure to be here. I adore you. Happy to be here with you today. Back at you. And you're so wonderful as a person and you're just so brilliant as a professional. Let me tell you a little bit about Barbara Hammett of Senior Care Navigator LA has devoted her career in geriatric care to helping people age with grace, dignity, and the best possible professional care. Known for her work in dementia, Barbara is considered a pioneer in her field, providing expert support and caregiving services to older adults and their families in the LA area and beyond for more than 30 years. For the past decade, Barbara has led caregiver support groups for Alzheimer's LA and UCLA's Easton Center for Alzheimer's Disease Research, including one for caregivers of persons with Lewy body dementia. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because there are all kinds of different forms of dementia. Barbara, I like to start out with asking you, what's your favorite memory for grandparents? I had a wonderful relationship with my maternal grandmother, Tilly. Tilly was an amazing woman. She was very smart and very funny. She was a terrific cook. She was a chef in New York City. We visited her in the city every week. And then I called her every weekend, every Sunday, and on the first of the month, because that was good luck. My favorite memories of her, I would have to say, were her blintzes and her borscht. Fabulous cook. Yeah. You're making me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Something about food, and especially a chef. And I'm there. You were a very devoted granddaughter. And was it that relationship that led you to the work that you do now? I would say yes, that relationship, plus I'm the youngest of five. And so by the time my parents had me, they were older. Mm -hmm. And so I was just used to being with older people. Mm -hmm. It came naturally. And so I gravitated to older people in high school. I volunteered in the local nursing home. I volunteered in the, uh, I was a candy striper in the local hospital. In college, I went on and volunteered in the local ER. So I was just always around seniors. And of course, my career has been in geriatrics. So it was a natural lead-in for me. And you and your cohorts, your colleagues at Senior Care Navigator LA, you are care managers. And can you talk to us about the focus of that kind of work? After 27 years of working in a hospital with a multidisciplinary team of doctors, nurses, and I was the social worker, the department closed and I basically went out into the world of doing geriatric care management, or we're now called aging professionals. And so it was pretty much a tweak on what I had been doing at the hospital, which was working with seniors, connecting them with the community resources, but doing that in an outpatient clinic and finally as a care manager in their homes, wherever their homes are. 
So the focus of our work is seniors, obviously, geriatrics, and our caseload is comprised of either adult children who live out of town, who want eyes and ears in town, or adult children who live in town and are just too busy with their families, their jobs, their lives, and really don't have time to deal with everything with their folks, or people who just don't like their parents. It doesn't matter where they live. (laughs) That happens. So they hire someone to deal with their mom and it's okay. And it's lovely because it gives them more energy to just care for their entire family, including their parents, rather than be distracted by doctor's appointments and things like that. And it lets them just be the son or the daughter. So I can be the bad guy. I have no history with their parent. So I can be the bad guy and they can remain the son or the daughter. And it's, it works out very well. Which is wonderful, especially when somebody gets diagnosed with dementia. Can you talk a little bit about what can happen to the family and the family dynamics when that happens? That's a difficult diagnosis because we both know that the road is long and hard. It's a gradual, deteriorating, progressive diagnosis, and it's not easy to be the caregiver. What's so sad is their mind can be going, but their body is completely healthy. Yes, that's exactly right. And they don't realize that their mind is going, right? So the adult children or the friends or the neighbors or whoever is involved in their life is calling a person like me, a person like you saying, oh my gosh, something's happening with my mom. My mom needs help. I'm trying to tell her that she's not listening to me because at the beginning, we all dig our heels in a little bit. I'm fine. What are you talking about? I'm okay. So I have a little forgetfulness, but I'm okay. I'm doing fine. They're not usually doing fine. And that's the struggle. That's where there's conflict. The adult children say, mom, you need help. You shouldn't be driving. I'm worried about you in the kitchen. It doesn't look like you're taking your pills. And then the struggle begins. That's often when we're called, get care in there. And what's so frustrating is a lot of doctors don't want to diagnose dementia. Yeah, it does take a little bit to diagnose dementia. Oftentimes, the diagnosis of ruling other things out, it takes usually a face-to-face clinical interview, getting scans of the brain, extensive blood work. It is a process. Aren't there some things you can do to at least mitigate it somewhat to possibly slow the progression? That's what the drug companies say, that the drugs that are out there slow the progression a little bit. From what I've seen in everyday life, everyone still, as you say, progresses. Can adjusting one's diet and exercise and making sure they're not socially isolated, can that help a little bit slow the progression? It depends on what the diagnosis is. Why is it good to get diagnosed early? I would say to get your affairs in order, because at the beginning, you are able to make decisions for yourself you're able to tell people what you want. And that is so important. So if there's one thing that your listeners walk away with today, it's that if you have a diagnosis of dementia, go to your attorney and fill out your documents. And your healthcare directive. And your healthcare directive. Do that so that your family doesn't have to guess what you want. They know exactly what you want. I can't tell you how important that is. I had a discussion with Ken Kossoff and also Jamie Gonzalez, who are wonderful estate planning attorneys, about how vital that is. And 
also about capacity with fiduciary Donna Bogdanovich, about how tricky it can become to determine when people have capacity. So all the more reason when you do still have capacity, at least most of the time, to really get that in order because that'll help take care of you and also take care of your family, those around you. Now, there are different forms of dementia. Can you talk about that a little bit? I mentioned Lewy body dementia up front. All dementia is cruel, but that one is particularly unique because of the hallucinations. So there are different types of dementia. I'm a social worker. I'm not a physician, but yes, we all know that there's Alzheimer's disease. There's dementia related to small strokes called vascular dementia. You can have both of those, which is a mixed dementia. And then there are these ones like frontal temporal dementia and Lewy body dementia. There's a dementia related to alcoholism, Jacob's dementia. I recently read an article that some of the police and firefighters from 9-11 are getting dementia at an early age. Very early onset dementia. And those tend to be more aggressive, sadly. I just learned something. I didn't know that. So Lewy body dementia is related to Parkinson's, correct? It's related to Parkinson's, yes. And that's oftentimes the first symptom that people experience is the shuffled gait, the rigidity. And then oftentimes, like you said, the hallucinations start. And that is pretty typical with Lewy body dementia. It can happen at any age, but it's a difficult one. That's what Robin Williams had. And not that we will ever know, but it's possible he was in one of those fugue states when he died. I remember meeting with a client and she was 90. She had been with her late husband for 70 years and he had passed away a couple of years before I met with her. And she too had Lewy body dementia. As I'm sitting there talking with her, she keeps mentioning that she keeps seeing her husband around the house. And I'm thinking that's just the dementia. She doesn't remember that he's passed. But at one point she says, yeah, I see him by the pool and I know he's gone, but I keep seeing him. And then ice came into my veins because I realized she was hallucinating and she knew he was gone, how tortured she must have been. So it's very haunting. I think it's wonderful that you lead these groups. I love support groups. I really do. I think magic happens in support groups. What kind of magic? Caregivers help each other in a way that professionals cannot. I truly believe that. As a fellow caregiver trudging along this long, awful road, the support and the advice that they give to each other is heard in a different way than when professionals say it. They give each other tips and techniques, ideas, love and support. We laugh and we cry and group and it's beautiful. I can only imagine and just being able to vent, let it out. Exactly. Because they understand each other perfectly. No one can understand if your spouse is asking you the same question 10 times in 10 minutes. Who understands the frustration of that? You're going out of your mind, basically. They know each other's frustrations. So it's so helpful. I bet great friendships form too. And I can only imagine if you're living with that person and you've been with them for decades, in those situations, it gets to the point where it's difficult to remember it's the disease that's doing that, not your partner, because you have your own frustrations and you're exhausted. And that's why it's great if you can hire a care manager, an aging life professional, because that can ease some of that heavy load. I agree. If you're able to hire a care manager, it can be a good resource for you. And what kind of things do you do for your clients and their families? We help with taking people to the doctor. 
you're at work and you can't take your mom to her doctor's appointment, we'll take her to the doctor. We'll tell you exactly what happened. So we're documenting everything that's happening at the doctor's office and then letting you know what happened, what medication changes there are, what recommendations the doctor had. If your mom goes to the doctor and has a little bit of forgetfulness, she might not remember exactly what the doctor said. So it's handy to have someone else there. And also somebody who understands the medical jargon, because I can imagine if you're an older adult and you're a little frightened by the possible diagnosis or the diagnosis you do have, that the doctor can be saying things and you might be too intimidated to ask what that meant. Exactly. They're embarrassed. They're a little bit ashamed and they might not ask questions because they're afraid. Most times people are aware that they're not quite right. They're not as sharp at the beginning stages. So it's nice to have someone else. It doesn't have to be a professional, anyone, the adult children or a friend can be there. All good. It's so important to have an advocate. Yes. Especially in doctor's appointments. Because you and I, if we go to the doctors, we don't always hear what they say. So imagine. (laughs) When somebody gets the diagnosis of dementia, do they often get depressed? Do their family members get depressed? And how can that be handled? People do often get depressed, especially at the beginning. And there are geriatric psychiatrists out there who specialize in geriatrics and psychiatric issues, psychiatric medications. I would say any medical professional that specializes in geriatrics really understands the whole polypharmacy issue, all the medications that get thrown at seniors. And really good to have people who specialize in seniors. Making sure there isn't some kind of weird synergistic effect, some weird combination of drugs that create all kinds of problems. And even over-the-counter medications, supplements. I think people hear the term social worker and don't really know what a social worker does. And I'm wondering what you learned by doing that that you carry into your practice as an aging life professional. It's a person-centered approach. It's the physical, the psychological, the family, the support system. We're thinking about the finances. We're thinking about them in their environment, the person in their situation. In social workies, they call it the psychosocial approach. We're thinking about, are they eligible for any sort of government program that we can tap into, that we can apply for? Are they a vet? Are there veterans benefits that they could get? There's all sorts of things that social workers are thinking about. We're trying to help keep them safe and where they want to be, wherever that is, as independent as they can for as long as they can. And it's usually at home. What do you love about what you do? I love meeting people. I love meeting seniors. I think they're all cute. Most of their adult children think they're a pain in the neck. (laughs) (laughs) I love hearing their life story. Their living history, I learn a lot of life lessons from them. I know that whatever stress I have in my life, they've lived with, they've dealt with, they've gotten to their 90s, and it'll all work out. I love seeing your kitty. We often see pets, (laughs) whether it's in a Zoom meeting or in a podcast, and it's great. It just makes it a little more human. What do you wish people knew about what you do? It would be good if people knew we existed. I don't think most people know that there is this profession out there that can help you with your folks. I don't think most people know that. And although we're a private pay service, if you don't have the resources, maybe you can tap into case management at your local senior center, or maybe there are case managers at the local hospital that you can tap into for resources. We're there to help you. We have so many resources at our fingertips that we can save you a lot of time and effort 
and give you advice and help you. We can just do an assessment, meet with you for an hour or two and say, here are my top three referrals for this particular thing or that particular thing. And it's really helpful. And you deal with this every day. Also, I find even in a city as big as Los Angeles, that the professionals working with older adults and their family, we're a very tight group are. We're a tight-knit group. Exactly. Here in a big city. We know each other. We've known each other for a long time. Like I've known <laughs> you for many years. It's really great to have those connections in a lot of different arenas. It's so important. The care manager can have such a major impact on the lives of everybody in the family, especially if somebody lives out of town and just wants updates and that sort of thing. I would say if you're looking for an aging life care professional, we do belong to an association, Aging Life Care Association. So you can go in there and locate a care manager near you. You can put your zip code in or your mom's zip code and find the local aging life care manager. The association is wonderful. They have conferences and regional conferences, national conferences. What you do is really difficult work. It's tough, especially when you're dealing with something like dementia. You're often there, you come in somewhere in the middle or the beginning and you see them to the end. It's a long-term relationship. You said it exactly. No one calls it when things are running smoothly. We usually hop into a family situation that is not going well and we're implementing services for people who don't want them. So it takes some creativity and some massaging to build the relationship and the trust and then trying to introduce things slowly. It's not easy. (laughs) I can't imagine that it is at all. And I think a lot of it is really learning to read people's emotions and really getting inside their shoes. Because to me, there are people who manipulate, who are awful people. And then for me, I consider persuasion not such a bad thing. I feel when I'm trying to persuade someone, it's because I really feel that what I'm talking about, what I think they should do will really benefit them. And that's the tricky part. And so we come in, we try to find an angle. For instance, let's say the doctor just reported your mom or your dad to the DMV, and now there's issues with driving, right? So maybe instead of saying you need a caregiver, which sounds horrible, we say, how about a driver, someone to take you to the grocery store? And most people are like, oh, no, I don't need a driver. Just saying, what about if we find someone just to take to the pharmacy when you need to go? Well, okay, yeah, I suppose. Just a little door open can go a long way. And then we can get someone, even if it's an actual caregiver from an agency, if we call them the driver or whatever, we're good. We're good and happy. Especially for this generation that's in their 80s and 90s now. They were the greatest generation, World War II, but they're also the deprivation generation because of the depression, all the rationing during World War II. And even if they were born shortly after World War II, their parents had been traumatized by all of it and certainly imprinted those feelings on the child. And part of that was not only just keeping everything you've got, (laughs) which keeps my company busy, But also it's about never being a burden, can't be a burden. And so that's a wonderful way having a caregiver drive them or something like that to finally start getting them to accept some help and finding out that it's not such a bad thing. Exactly. When you think about a little bit of help can keep you at home. That's what people want. We want to keep people at home safely. I mean, if they can be safe. So that's the whole goal is to remain wherever you want to be safely. And if it's not at home, that's okay too. So as care managers, we often move people into assisted living facilities. And there are so many wonderful communities now. 
With COVID, people have become so socially isolated and social isolation is so dangerous with anybody who has depression. And that's oftentimes what happens is a spouse dies or adult children move away. And here's senior living at home. Let's say they do finally bring in a caregiver. Then it's just the caregiver and the senior at home. Unless you're still running around town, which oftentimes they're not seeing their friends or going to play mahjong. Sometimes they're not doing that anymore. There is something about the social interaction that takes so much more of your brain and also just that companionship. I always say, I want to move into a facility because I'm such a social person. I can't imagine living at home by myself, but you can be in your room and close your door and you're by yourself. You might not need that caregiver because you can walk out your door and get the help that you need if you, when you need it. Mm-hmm. What's the toughest part of your job? So I think we touched on it, getting people the help that they need, getting them to accept it, to pay for it. That is probably the toughest part but what a difference it can make. When I first met you, you were just yourself and you've now expanded. So you have other great care managers, aging life professionals on your staff. What do you look for and listen for when you're considering bringing somebody onto your staff? I feel like the one thing that I cannot teach is passion for geriatrics. I love seniors. I teach you everything else, the nuts and bolts, the paperwork, whatever. I can't teach you to love seniors. Like you were talking about, you were asking about my relationship with my grandmother and that you can tell it brings me joy. If you have had that, you come already equipped, I believe, with what you need. No one can teach you to love seniors, right? And to admire them. Even when times are tough and maybe they're giving you a hard time or what have you, think of all that they have lived through. It's extraordinary. The stories can be really wonderful. And for us, it's a story of stuff. You never know what you're going to find. That's great. The story of stuff. I love that. It's intriguing. It's fun. It's curious. And being a bit inquisitive, not overly curious, but wanting to know more. That's one of the things I look for, along with the empathy that you're talking about when I'm hiring. It's so important. It's one thing to take someone to the doctor, but you're building a relationship when you're in a car, taking someone to the doctor. It's not just the mere act of going to a doctor's appointment. It's hearing about their life and everything. It's rewarding. It's hard work, but it's really rewarding. And you must go home at night knowing that you've really done something to ease people's burdens. Even if it's just being their companion for a time. Of course, with your professional skills, there's a lot more going on, but that's what they may experience and they appreciate that. That's true. And just assessing along the way. So the minute we get to your dad's house, we're assessing how many steps to the front door? What does the lawn look like? Now we get in the front door. What do we see? How is he navigating? Can we get up the steps? Hmm. Is there expired food in the fridge? What are they eating? Hopefully not just candy bars or something. Taking a look in the pill box. Are they taking their medicines? Doesn't look like they did today. Just putting pieces together doing an assessment, coming up with a plan, take it slowly but surely. And one thing working with a care manager is you're not seeing them every single day. You come at different times. And if there's been a shift, even a minor one, you can see that a shift has happened. Like they look more tired and you can say, God, you just seem exhausted today. Are you sleeping at night? Well, no. Are you calm and they've fallen? What happened to you? See the changes. Yeah. What kind of questions should people ask when they're interviewing professionals like you, care managers, aging life specialists? What should they ask? 
in our association website, they give you a list of questions to ask care managers. So at aginglifecareassociation.org. There's a list of questions in there. Of course, it talks about what we do, but I would say basic questions. What area do you cover? How much do you charge? If there's an emergency on the weekends or in the evening, can I call you? Also, what kind of backgrounds they have? Yeah, so the profession draws mostly from nursing and social work. Absolutely ask, what's your prior experience, your degrees? Most people are savvy these days, so they've gotten on the website, they've checked us out, they've looked at our education, they've seen who we are and what we've done. But people just want to talk to you and get to know you a little bit. Some people on the phone you click with, and some better than others. They say, go with that gut feeling, and usually you're right. And so we'll add the national website as well as your website information on howtomoveyourmom.com with your episode so people can find you if they're not in Los Angeles, find others like you in their area. Barbara Hammett of Senior Care Navigator LA, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Oh, Marty, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to How to Move Your Mom and still be on speaking terms afterward. Please visit howtomoveyourmom.com for more information about this episode and for additional podcast episodes featuring other extraordinary guests and conversations. Until next time, this is your very grateful host, Marty Stevens-Hebner.